welcome to a quick Conversations of Change podcast with Dr. Jen Fram. We have a change chat with one of the leaders in the change management field. Hello, everybody. It's Dr. Jen Fram here with your latest of the change chats. This week, we're talking to Elise Stevens. Elise is a uh, very prolific, successful podcaster, business podcaster in the area of project management. And uh, she she runs the Fix My Project Chaos podcast, um, which has exceptional quality and content on it. Uh, Elise is also a coach, uh, a change management coach. And in fact, on her LinkedIn profile, she describes herself as an organisational change management coach developing exceptional project managers. We're going to get into this very shortly. But to start with, Elise, welcome to the Change Chat. Jen, thank you so much for having me on your show today. Oh, look, it's, uh, it's always really exciting when you get other podcasters on, uh, on your podcast interview um, and, and you actually have to think really carefully about what you're going to talk about. It's like, oh, I've got to lift my game now. This is another podcaster. So. <laughs> I know, but the pressure's on me to uh, say, say good things, quality things. I'm sure we're going to get there. Now, Elise, you're located in uh, the lovely sunny Brisbane in Queensland, Australia. Um, you, as I flagged, and I'll put the links on the, the podcast notes, um, you have this long career in project management. You're incredibly passionate about putting the people into project management. And you've got this wonderful crossover with organisational change. Can we start by exploring your descriptor on your LinkedIn profile? So an organisational change management coach developing exceptional project managers. Can you share some of the assumptions that sit underneath that as a descriptor? I'd love to. One of the things I realised, I got to work with an exceptional pro. I got to work with an exceptional organisational change manager years ago and when I was a program manager and she was so good. She was cluey. She understood the politics that were going on. She understood, had this great radar for um, uh, people's motives and some of the challenges we might have. And through her, I began to see that it wasn't just about um, delivering this thing and flicking it over the the wall and saying, are you ready to catch it? Good, I'm off. I'm off to another project. Bye. And I began to realise that the people side of things was much more important and the process side. And so I began to really observe what was going on around me and realise that most most project managers were pretty bad at the people side and yet this is what was going to make or break the project. And mm. that really inspired me to start, A, getting more interested and in the people and process, but B, inspiring others to embrace the people side and not leave it to someone else to do. Nice, nice. So a really integrated view of that. Um, Fix My Project Chaos, your podcast, which, gee, I love that title. <laughs> it speaks to a lot of our experiences. Um, you've 
you've done what is it just over 70 now or 90 how many episodes did i see that you're up to about 130 something my goodness i must have been looking back a few pages then okay so that's uh a pretty big group to look at if i said what has surprised you the most out of your guests or what what have been the most memorable podcast guests and, and what were the topics that really resonated I did a whole series of about 14 podcasts on stakeholder engagement. And you would think, oh, getting 14 people together, surely there was some overlap in what people talked about. In fact, there wasn't. (gasps) And really, like there were some continual themes running through the podcasts about how to be, how to engage your stakeholders. But it was everyone had like a different lens on how to successfully engage stakeholders. And I found it fascinating to just get to talk to so many great people about stakeholder engagement. But everyone had a different view or a different perspective on, you know, how to effectively engage different types of stakeholders, you know, people with large egos, um, government and universities, what do you do when people have got different goals, Um, some, you know, what to do when your stakeholders, you know, really don't care, things like that. So, like, just this whole breadth of knowledge all related to one topic was fascinating. Wow. That is really interesting. And it's probably not that surprising, but I guess um, it probably speaks to the fact that we tend to take really strong shortcuts. You know, when we hear stakeholder engagement, we think, well, this is what we do from a stakeholder engagement perspective without thinking about the nuances there. What would your recommendation be or what, what walking away from that series when someone says stakeholder engagement and my project, what's what's your immediate response? Well, I think that the first thing is that you've got to take time to build a trusting relationship. That's, that's the core of it. You're not going to be able to do it via email and email should really be your last resort. You mm-hmm. know, having in-person or telephone conversations and building that rapport is just so critical. But you've really got to understand your stakeholders and where they are in their universe. What are the politics that are affecting them? What are the things that are going on in the organisation that are affecting them? You know, are they on an upward trajectory or are they being shifted out to other things? So you really need to build a complete picture of who your stakeholders are, where they are in the zoo, where they fit in the pecking order, what are some of the external influences that are going on and what are their personal views? So you've really got to take a a multifaceted view of understanding who your stakeholders are. And, of course, you can't do that for all of them, but you really need to focus on, you know, who are the people that are your supporters, who are the people that have the potential to um, derail the project and work from there. Mm. In terms of, I guess, your your experience in project management and your experience in change management, so you've you've formerly held roles which had both of those titles. Is there one one identity that you enjoy more than the others? 
I really enjoy the organisational change management role. Mm-hmm. Um, it really, whilst I incorporate a lot of my project management knowledge about, you know, getting things done and, you know, understanding different things, it's really, you know, really taking time and having the time to really understand who your stakeholders are mm-hmm. and being able to effectively deal with them. Mm-hmm. and and engage with them sorry yeah and I think that that is so important because everything else runs a lot more smoothly once you can do that and people I was working on um some consulting work just previously and it was a large male workforce but the fact that I would ring up and talk to them I had I had good engagement with them and they trusted me. So when I needed to come and do things with them and their team, they were very open and, yes, yes, that's fine. Whereas, you know, if I just sent them an email, I would have got nothing. Yeah, yeah. So that, you know, that again, it's that putting the people into the project, right? Yes. Um, so what if, if so one of the central messages I'm hearing that, you know, you want project managers to know is around the importance of people and trust in those human relationships or <laughs> human as opposed to animal relationships. <laughs> what, what a silly phrase. Um, if you were to flip it and say what, based on your experience, do you want change leaders and change practitioners to know about project management? What would be the most important lesson you think that the change community needs to learn about project management? I think that if change managers take a very purist view, and I don't often see this, but if they take a very purist view about engaging all the stakeholders, you know, having top quality comms, you know, well-crafted, you just don't have the budget or the time for it. Mm. And so you've got to have a, adopt a very pragmatic approach and understand as scope changes in and out and be proactive in communicating that back to your stakeholders. Mm. And when you said before that you don't see this very often, um, as in the purest view you don't see very often, you, you find that most of the change practitioners you're working with have got a fairly pragmatic sense of it or is it? That's why they need to do it. No, actually, most of the change, all of the change managers I've seen and work with over the years, I find them to be very pragmatic and they really do advise the project managers the best way when when that relationship exists. Mm. So you, the project managers have got to be open to having that relationship I've seen a number of project managers rebuff attempts made by change managers to be that counsel, to be that advocate for the project manager and uh, mm. for the change manager, sorry. And, um, you know, that it just ends badly. I myself was working as an organisational change manager and there was a lot wrong with the system from a usability point of view. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I was talking to the project manager about it and I said, um, these are the the nicer words than what I used at the time, I said, uh, that user interface isn't very good. And I said, you can't roll that out. That's not very good, you know. People are going to struggle with it. And the project manager then turned around and said, that's not my problem. I'm managing the contract. 
And I just looked at him. <laughs> Ouch. And, yeah. And I'm like, I, I was, because I had a good relationship with the business users, I was talking to them about yeah. it as well because, you know, they they were getting the short straw out of all this contractual stuff that was going on and rightly so. But, you know, the whole human usability you know, I'm just here to deliver the contract and e.g. I don't care what I deliver as long as I, because it, it was having a lot of issues. Yeah. But it, it was like, you know, inside I was jumping up and saying, hey, you can't say that. That's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, about a week later, I think he must have heard what he said to me and had a small change of heart but really I had to help the business say no not going to happen yeah yeah it's funny isn't it that that sometimes that is the role of the change practitioner is to speak the really uncomfortable truth you know and and hold the mirror up for the project um because they they I and I, I don't think um, project managers necessarily wake up and go, yeah, I want to do a bad job. Um, but I think that sometimes the momentum of and the cadence of project life gets in the way of taking objective stock of how it's performing. You know, you become ruled by the stage gates and, the you know, the, the meetings as opposed to the actual, you know, performance of the project. So... Um, good on you for bringing that up. So, which I guess that that raises the question for me. Um, you know, you're developing exceptional project managers. What are the hallmarks of an exceptional project manager from your perspective? I think the number one thing is caring about what the business is going to be using, mm. and thinking: is this usable? Is this going to help our customers? And instead of there's a lot of pressure on project managers to deal with, you know, rampaging budgets and scope and or bad contractors, bad vendors. And but all that's all that seems to take precedence over usability and how how the people are going to use it and how they can be trained. Because a lot of times the first thing that goes when scope is in and budgets are in trouble is training and testing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's like, <laughs> you really, you're going to, just for the sake of argument, oh, sorry, we don't have enough time. We don't have enough money to do that right. Oh, okay. So we're just going to, you know, let that slip then. And I think that that's what I want project managers to stand up for too and to stand up and say no. Mm. this mm. isn't happening yeah it um it's an interesting one because I, I I've noticed certainly in the last couple of years um a real difference in the project managers that I'm working with um and and it's a great difference it's I'm seeing this incredibly high level of EQ um which certainly wasn't when I first started doing change project work um Conversely, there's there's a there's a phenomena happening in Brisbane, I suspect in Sydney, perhaps not so much in Brisbane, which we call the rise of the slashy. And as budgets are being cut, 
they're recruiting they project sponsors know that they need change management um but they're reluctant to spend on a dedicated change practitioner so it's can we just recruit a project manager slash change manager so somebody who will fill both roles uh in the project um what are your thoughts on this as a industry trend and practice Look, I think that if you can find the right individual, that's great. But I will give you an example. I um, I happened to read uh, a project manager's CV mm-hmm. and I knew this particular project manager and um, I had witnessed some very bad behaviour on his part in talking to some people and everything. And then I happened to read his CV that said that he had a whole lot of emotional intelligence. <laughs> and I just, I just went, mm. So if people can really, because, um, you know, people can say what they want on their CVs. Yeah. And... And if you can go into uh, an interview and, uh, you know, be able to convince people that, yep, you've got the emotional intelligence and then you turn up and you really don't care, then, you know, what's going to happen? Yeah, look, I think it's a really interesting one because I'm I'm the first to say that I think one particular person has the skills and capability to be a project manager and also an organisational change manager. I've got no problems with people switching roles. Um, but I, I think that there's such often such contradictory skill sets and capabilities to hold them in the one space at the one time on an engagement is an incredibly difficult role to do um, and I haven't seen it done successfully. How do you... Yeah. How do you yeah, how do you see that change practitioners work with project managers? What's your model of the world on the relationship between project managers and change managers? Well, I think, uh, I really think that project managers need to be open to these. As I said, I've seen an example where project managers are closed to the idea mm-hmm. and and so they they really don't care they don't want the insight that the the change manager can bring which and you're missing out yeah on all this great intelligence to help you deliver a great project yeah. one that the organization is going to embrace but i think that the project managers that really embrace the organizational change manager and use them to and be their advice you know take their advice on different things I think is a great way to do it and not see it as a threat last year I read this article and I was very dismayed it was in the Australian Institute of Project Management's um, Uh monthly monthly um, uh, magazine and it had uh, the opening line of the article was uh, the organizational change manager is your frenemy (laughs) (laughs) and I I threw the magazine down and I thought, and essentially it started off by saying uh, the organisational change manager, I'm paraphrasing here, is uh, kind of like um, taking over bits of your role. Um, And uh, because a lot of 
there is a breed of project managers that really like all that senior stakeholder engagement, you know, yep. to get themselves out They're and cool. uh, be seen. Uh, but the article went on. I picked up the magazine again <laughs> and kept reading. Um, and then at the end of it, the author had actually said that you need to embrace it. But fancy saying that it's the frenemy. Jeez. <laughs> Well, look, that that brings me to my last question, which is one of outrageous headings in articles that we read, which is that of 70% of change projects fail. I'm going to make this a standard question of all my guests from going forward. Elise, what percentage in your career do you think have failed? That's a very good question. <laughs> um, if I look back at some of the early projects I did, mm-hmm. you know, when I was new to project management and people really didn't care about the people, I'd say, you know, it was up around the 80, 90 because, you know, you just kind of move forward and not look back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but as as time's gone on, as long as the organisation really wanted to do the project, you know, things of, you know, I'd say 60 to 70% of what I do deliver is change ready and that the organisation's ready to do it. Yeah. Nice summary. Nice summary. And I think, uh, you know, that's, that's a, a piece of work um, or blog post that, uh, of mine that have been quite strongly received is the notion that it's bollocks that 70% fail and, and we look at the myths around it. And I think what you've alluded to there is there's some really important insights to be gathered by having that conversation around that that statistic um, and looking at the balance of what is what is based in time, what is based on what the lessons you've learned from it. Um, so thank you for sharing that, Lise. So that brings us to the end of our change chat. Um, It's been a true delight to chat with you, Elise. I'm going to include lots of links in the notes around your podcast and stuff like that. Um, Let's finish off with what's the one thing that you want the listeners to know about Project Life? I think that you can be a good project manager that makes sure that the people and the process stuff, activities are done. You don't, you need to be sure that it is captured in what you do and not settle for just accepting the status quo. If things aren't being done right in the business, then you really need to be talking to your project sponsor about, you know, should we really be doing this project? Because if the organisation's not ready, why? Yeah. Oh, a, a wonderful piece of wisdom that you're departing with. Lise, thank you so much for joining us on The Change Chat. Thank you, Jen. It was lovely and I really love your book. <laughs> Thanks, Elise. If you enjoyed this Change Chat, then do share with your colleagues and friends. You can find more at conversationsofchange.com.au, at Jen Fram on Twitter or Conversations of Change on the Facebook. <laughs>